we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, would you please turn to Hebrews chapter 6. And the book of Hebrews is, is one of those books that, man, it just takes a lot to, uh, to go through and explain. We're not going to take a ton of time to go over the whole, like the history and a lot of the context. But I just want to kind of give you a little bit of a heads up so you understand where we're coming from, this, what's going on this morning. So about a hundred years after Jesus died, a hundred years after he died, some New Testament believers formally brought together all of the New Testament letters, okay? So they, they brought them all together in one collection, and they began to add titles to all of the, you know, the New Testament. There's a bunch of letters. They brought them together, and then began, for just the sake of convenience, they began to add titles. And this book... Or letter, the, the book of Hebrews, the letter of Hebrews, um, kept the traditional Greek title, which was this, to the Hebrews, to the Hebrews, the people, uh, Jesus' followers. Now, there's something that you have to keep in mind when we read the passage, something that's really important that you have to keep in mind is that these people, these uh, Jesus' followers, Christians, whatever you want to call them, they were facing the possibility of intensified persecution. And there were many of them were tempted to disassociate themselves with Jesus. So to the Hebrews, a hundred years after Christ died, many of them are facing the possibility of persecution. And so they begin to doubt, and they begin to question whether this Jesus is really the Son of God, whether this Jesus who's supposed to be the coming King is really the one, is really our Savior. And they begin to say, maybe He wasn't the Son of God, maybe He was an angel. Okay? So that gives you a little bit of context. Now we're going to get into Hebrews chapter 6, verse 16. We're going to read a few verses, but keep that in mind, because it's important for you to understand um, that like God's word is specific to those people, but it also I'm gonna my job this morning is to ha- to help us figure out how it relates to us. So we were gonna begin in verse 16. Okay, everybody ready? Give me a thumbs up if you're ready. Awesome. Hebrews 6:16 6, says this. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, I I read this passage from a lot of different translations. I feel like the New Living Translation was the the easiest one for us to understand. That's why I picked this one. And I usually, when I do Bible studies, when I preach, if you follow me, you know that, like, man, I'll I'll go with whatever translation because I think that sometimes, not with whatever translation, I'll go with whatever translation makes the most sense and is the easiest for us to understand because I think that you can can learn a, a thing or two from different different translations so it says this now when people take an oath they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it and without any question that oath is binding now you and i we've heard people swear you know different you know by different things by different people uh you know in our world you know you've heard people swear by their mom their mom dead mom you you've heard you know in this culture and as well in that culture there was not a more serious way to commit to something verbally than to swear than to say I swear to God or I swear by my dead relative. So so we've 
We've heard this. This is not something that we haven't heard before. But in this passage, as I was studying, it's interesting that what's, what's going on here, and especially if you read Scripture, you know that Jesus says, let your yes be what? Yes, and your no be no. So Jesus says, don't run around swearing up and down. You, don't, you know, your word is enough, okay? But when you read this, it's going to seem like it's like, the Bible is contradicting what God is doing here is contradicting what Jesus said so which one is it now I'm going to give you my interpretation of it I'm not saying that it's 100% right but it's my as I study the passages what I conclude it I believe that in this passage God what he's getting ready to tell us and what he was telling the Hebrew people was such a big deal the message was so important that I believe that God says it's almost like God is saying you know what this is such a big deal that I'm going to make a vow to you. I am going to ratify, I am going to confirm what I'm, going to, what I'm saying to you with an oath. Kind of like when the president is inaugurated, a new president is, is inaugurated, and they usually say the words, I solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of the president of the United States and will to the best of my ability preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution on the of the United States in a similar way not exactly the same but in a similar way look in verse 17 God's word is saying this God also bound himself with a what? with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. For some reason, and I don't quite understand it, but for some reason, human beings give greater significance to an oath. For whatever reason, when somebody says, man, I swear to you, or, or I, you know, like for some reason, like we give like greater sin- significance than just saying, man, I, like I'm telling you, this is what it is. And in this passage, to me, what it looks like is that God is bringing himself down to our level. It's almost like God says, you know what, I am gonna, I'm going to bring myself to your level. I'm going to speak your language for a minute. Jesus says, look, there's no need to do that. No need to be swearing up and down. Your, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. No. But in this case, to me, as I interpret Scripture, it seemed like what God is getting ready to tell us is such a big deal that he says, you know what, I'm not just going to promise you. I'm going to make an oath. Look at it, verse 18. So God has given us, has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. I'll explain that in a minute. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can find, can have great confidence as we hold on to the hope that lies before us. Now look in verse 19. Here's our theme verse for the day. Can you guys help me read it? We're going to read it together in unison. All right? Can we put verse 19? There you go. Let's read it together. Ready? One, two, three. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Let's pray. Father God, I ask that you would penetrate our hearts today. God, I pray that you would remind us of the hope that we have in Christ that regardless of what's going through in our world today whether it's finances 
whether it's the fear of the future, whether it's a business dealing that we, that we don't know if it's going to go through, whether it's family that we're going to talk to during the holidays. God, I pray that you would help us understand this whole concept of hope. And so, God, we just dedicate the next few minutes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, I brought my anchor here. I used to have a boat. don't have it anymore. I sold it last year. But one of my favorite places to go, my, like one of my favorite places in the world is Destin. Let's see if this little stool will hold that anchor. It's a pretty heavy anchor. Um, have any of you guys ever been to Destin, Florida? So in Destin, there's this place called Crab Island. Okay, it's not an island. It's actually a sandbar. And actually, I think there's a picture on on the screen coming up and it's it's just a beautiful place of like where you can just take your kids take your family and to me this is like heaven on earth i like there's no better place on planet earth than crab island it's just it's a little it's a uh, a sandbar that's only like two three feet deep so the kids can play around and the water looks just like that okay how many of you would love to be there right now yeah i would love i love that um, well, one of the things that, like, if you live in this area, you find out is that the water doesn't always look like that. It only looks like that at certain times of the day when it's high tide, because what happens is the water is rushing in from the Gulf of Mexico into the, the bay, and so what you get is a bunch of fresh water. And usually when it's high tide, the water gets that clear. But at the same time, what happens is that there's a huge undercurrent going on. And so if you're not careful, if you bring your boat and you, even though it's, it's pretty shallow, I mean, the water just, just about right here, that undercurrent will take you, will take your boat, will take your family. And so if you're going to go to Crab Island, you need a what? An anchor. You need an anchor. The Bible says that we have this hope that is strong and trustworthy, that is a, a strong and trustworthy anchor for our soul. We have this hope. Everybody say the word hope. This is not wishful thinking. Some people think that hope is just wishful. You know, I hope it doesn't rain at the picnic. I hope that my team wins today. I hope that I make it on time. For the believer, the hope has a lot more to it than, um, than what we, a lot of people think. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary they will walk and not faint lamentation 325 another great passage the lord is good to those whose hope is in him to the ones who seek him so for the believer for christian hope is his future certainty that is grounded in a present reality of God's faithfulness. So for, for us, when we, when we use that word hope, it's not like a lot of people use it like, oh, I hope this happens. I hope my marriage works out. I hope this relationship goes the right way. No, no, no. For us, it is, it is something that's grounded. It's an anchor that is grounded. It's a future reality that's grounded in a present reality of God's faithfulness. And so what I want to do today is I want to read this passage. I want to dig in. 
And I want to I ask the question, what does this mean to me today? This whole idea of, of hope, this whole idea of like, why would God use this analogy of an anchor? It's a great question. One of the reasons is Jesus and God's word often relates to us where we're at. You know, when you read the Gospels, you know, Jesus was getting on a boat every, you know, every other chapter. So he, you know, so you would use boats to travel. People would work on boats. So this is, this is something that, you know, God uses for us to understand. Now, we live in Tyler, Texas, so we, we have lakes, but we don't have a huge bodies of, of water. And so what I want to do today is I, I want to share with you the significance of what a good anchor can do in your life and how it relates to you today. So I wrote three things out. If you want to take notes, uh, I, I believe that when we take notes, actually this has been proven, it'll help you remember um, better, help you retain the information a little bit longer. So I wrote three things down. They're simple points that I would encourage you to re- write down if you're taking notes today. Number one, a good anchor is unmovable. Everybody say unmovable. A good anchor is unmovable. Look in verse 18. It says, God gave us both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. That word unchangeable is a term that was used when you, whenever you were writing a will, a living will, a legal will, okay? If that person that wrote that will, if they just happened to die, nobody could change that will. Nobody could change, oh, you know, he said he wanted this for this person, this, is gonna get, this person's gonna get this. No, no. Once you write that will, if that person dies, it is unchangeable. That's the word that we're looking at in verse 18. Now, a great example of this is Jesus right before Pilate. Okay, so if we, if we fast forward from his birth to the cross, so 30 years later, Jesus is right in front of Pilate, and like literally minutes before his death, and remember what Pilate said to him? Remember how he was baiting him? He was kind of tempting him? Remember what he said? He said, so, you're saying you're a king. Jesus had never said that, by the way. You're, you, you're saying that you are, um, that you have a following. Is that, that's what you're saying. And Jesus, in that moment, he could have played along, right? He could have gone, and said, yeah, I do have a following. I mean, several thousand people followed me when I was feeding them. But instead of doing that, remember what Jesus said? He said, no, 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 no. You say that I'm a king. But for this purpose, and these minutes before the cross, for this purpose, you know it? I was born you say this i say in that moment any of us would have been tempted to give in any of us would have been like well you know i do have a little bit of a following in that moment jesus christ was unmovable in that moment when he was tempted to give in he was tempted to compromise like he was solid like an anchor he says no you say this, but this is why I was born. So um, the bow that I had was only like a 19 footer, 20 feet long or something like that. And the truth is this anchor right here, it's a lot bigger than I, what I needed. Actually, actually, this thing could, could hold probably a 39 foot long boat. But I actually spent the nights here at Crab Island. And uh, I spent the night with all three of my kids when they were little, okay? You can ask them. They've, been all, they've, all, they've all been traumatized by it. <laughs> and so I did not want, when the tide was going out, I did not want to find myself in the middle of the night, like in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. So what I did is I bought an anchor that was two or three times bigger than what I needed. 
And so I would put this thing down, man, and I knew this thing, like my little boat, like you could put, you know, you could park a 40-foot boat and then with this thing, it was, my little 19-footer was not going to go anywhere as long as I had my big anchor. It is the same way in your life. You need, whether you're a believer or not, you need something with all the change. Who knows what 2021 will bring, right? And I don't want to be negative. You guys know I'm not a negative kind of guy. But what if 2021 was worse than 2020? Have you thought about that? Okay, don't curse. I don't want you to curse. (laughs) Some of you are going like, age, no, you know? Like, no way it can be worse than 2020. But what if? Regardless of what you go through, you need an anchor, a strong, the title of the message is Big Anchor. You need a big anchor to hold your life onto, to hang on to. There's so many things in life that frustrates us. There's so many things that change. There's so many things that are not reliable. Um, if your car only started once every three tries, would that, would that help you? Like, if you never knew if it was going to start or not, many of you have a, one of those cars right now. You try, try uh, not starting, uh, not starting, uh, 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 and it starts. Yes! If your refrigerator only worked, like, let's just say, stop working four hours every two weeks, and you never knew exactly when it was going to stop working, would that be a reliable thing? You probably would not want to, you, you'd probably be fed up, right? Let me, let, me, let me bring it, like, okay, if um, your water heater uh, surprised with a little cold shower every once in a while. <laughs> would, you, would you be okay with that? No. And here's what I'm trying to say today. God doesn't waver about you. He's unmovable. He doesn't, you know, not only does he not waver, but you can trust him. It's not like the things of God are going to work one day and not the next day. And in the same, same passage, same letter, a little bit further, actually in chapter 13, Hebrews, says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and you know it? Yesterday, today, and forever. It's unmovable. God is totally committed to you. You may drift. He's not going to. You may doubt him. You may question whether he's there or not. He's not. He knows exactly how he feels about you. He knows how much he loves you. And you can, you can count on that. You know, in life, what I've learned in 2020 is that anything can change. Like, we've been blessed. We have nothing to complain about. But 2020 has been the most difficult year for me to lead as a pastor. Who, I mean, who closes down a church? Like, your in-person services. Like, that will pretty much kill a church, you know? That's, that's what's been... Like that's what pastors have been brainwashed with. And so making that decision back early on this year was brutal. Like we had, you know, like there's just like, and so as a leader, this has been one of those years. It's like, man, I can't imagine a more challenging year. Um, And I know that many of you can relate to that. In life, anything can change. Your jobs can change. You may change your cell phone plan. You may change. You may move and go to a different city. The way your spouse feels about you may change. Hopefully not. Hopefully it's for the better, (laughs) you know. But it can happen, right? Um, God doesn't change. He's unmovable. 
It's like the kid riding his bike, and he's going against the wind, and he's pedaling as hard as he can, and the wind is pushing back, right? And he's pedaling with everything he's got, and then finally he just turns around, goes with the wind, you know, makes a little U-turn, and he goes, oh, the wind change. No, U-change, God remained the same. The wind stayed the same. And so God is our bedrock is the bedrock of our peace, of our security, our confidence. Past, present, future, he's that, that anchor. When everything else is changing, is the one thing that you can count on not to change. And that's a good thing. Now look in verse 19, it says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and what? Secure. Job eleven eighteen. I mean, if you know the story of Job, you know what he went through. The Bible says you will be in Job eleven eighteen. You will be secure because, because there is hope. Psalm 91, uh, 9, 18 says, But the needy will not always be forgotten, nor the hope of the afflicted ever perish. So a good anchor is unmovable. Number two, a good anchor, write this down, may seem far, but strong. Let me explain. A good anchor may seem far, but strong. So if you are into boating, you know that, um, especially if you're boating in Florida or whatnot, you know that you don't just take your anchor and just drop it down, and that's it. You know that what you want to do is you want to put some distance, especially if there's an undercurrent, you want to put some distance between the anchor and the boat, Okay. And in fact, what they recommend is a scope of three, uh, excuse me, seven to one. What that means is if your boat is in, like, let's say, 10 10 feet of water, okay, the depth below the boat is 10 feet, you want to put out, in fact, Travis, would you mind helping me out? So let's say that this is, I'm on 10 feet of water, and just take that that way for me, please. Hold it, hold it like by the ends, both ends. There you go, like that. There you go. Just hold it there for a second. Hold it there. Hold it. That's good. All right, so if, if I'm in 10 foot of water, what I want to do is I want to make sure that I have seven, that my anchor is 70 feet away from me. That's a scope of seven to one, okay? The holding power of the anchor is not, if I lift it up straight up, it's going to come back up. The holding power is when it's pulling in a horizontal way. That's why you want the anchor, depending on the depth of the water, you want it as far as you can get it. And so here's why I say this. A good anchor, it may be far away, but it hasn't lost its holding power. Hold it still. It hasn't uh, lost its... You're good, buddy. Um, it hasn't lost... It's a pretty heavy anchor. It hasn't lost its holding power. In fact, the further it is, the strong when the boat pulls, it's going to pull in this direction, and it's going to hold. Thank you so much. You guys give him, a, give him a hand. You can put it down there. There you go. So here's, here's how this relates to us. Thank you, buddy. Man, you did a great job. Um, here, this is how it relates to us. And you'll see here in the passage in a minute. When life is hectic, you may think that God is away. You may feel, it may feel, and that's what the Hebrew people were going through. The possibility of intense persecution. This is, this is not just COVID. This is like we're going to lose our lives, Right? This is not just, man, I lost my job. This is like I'm going to be beheaded for the cause of Christ. And that's why in the passage, if you look in verse 17, God is, seems to be doubling down. And in the same way 
An anchor is far away in the same way that God may seem like he's far because of all life's problems. His strength is not limited by your perception. And in this passage, I believe with all my heart, this is my interpretation. If you disagree, that's fine. We can talk about it. But I believe that God, God goes, look, I'm not just going to promise this to you. This, this whole idea of hope is su- that, such a big deal that I'm going to make a vow. I'm going, to, I'm going to double down. Because the Hebrew people, they're questioning. Jesus is gone. The miracles don't seem to be happening anymore. Remember the day when he fed the multitudes? Remember when he healed the blind? Remember when, you know, when we saw this and we saw that? Maybe he was just an angel. Maybe he wasn't the son of God. And look in verse 17. God also bound himself. He tied himself. Like with that anchor, you saw the, the tips of it. When it, the more it pulls, the more those, those tips actually dig in. God also bound himself. He anchored himself with this oath. Not because of him. His word is enough. But because of us, because for some crazy reason, when somebody swears by God or by, you know, for some reason we think that, oh, okay, now you you gotta be, you know. It says God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly what? Sure. That he would never change his mind. Reminds me of what Jesus said to his disciples. I'm gonna leave But don't worry, I'm leaving to prepare a better place for you. Yeah, you'll face troubles in this world, don't get me wrong. But don't worry, I'm still in charge. So in life, when things don't go your way, when your prayers don't seem to be answered, when the challenges come one day after the next, when God seems to be nowhere near you, remember that His strength is not measured or diminished by your perception. Does that make sense? Think about Jesus. Now, our perception of Christ is, is different because we were 2,000 years into it, but if you, if you backtrack 2,000 years ago, he was born in a small town, nobody knew, born with animals, lived a relatively simple life, didn't really travel more than 200 miles, never married, never wrote a book, like, you know, you would have thought, like, never ran for political office, never was in charge of a business or anything, didn't make a whole lot of money. I mean, in that, in that day, you may have thought, there's not much of anything to Jesus. You know, first 30 years, he lived in obscurity, then he becomes um, a teacher. You know, he was a carpenter at first, then he becomes a teacher. The last, I mean, he, last few years of his life, you know, he was just preaching here and there. He died at 33 now, because of perspect, our perspective, we know that he left. Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, he left the, the largest legacy in the history of the world. And you cannot deny that there's a couple of billion people in the world today that will worship him. Whether you believe in him or not, you know this man was an exceptional human being. So God's influence in the world and in your life is not affected by the way you feel or by the way you see. Does that make sense? A good anchor may be far, but it can still hold ground. It says this, Therefore, therefore we, verse 18, who have fled to him for refuge, 
By the way, if you feel hopeless right now, this is what you need to be doing. You need to run to him, throw yourself in his arms. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence. That word confidence, the literal meaning of that word is to encourage. We can be encouraged. We can have confidence as we hold on to the hope that lies before us. Last point I'll make is this. A good anchor makes you feel safe and secure. A good anchor makes you feel safe and secure. Worship team, you guys can get on stage. We're going to wrap it up with this point. If you're here today and you don't know anything about God, or maybe you're here and you have questions, it's okay. We love questions. Um, You know, I love people that challenge me, theologically speaking, you know, with the Bible and all of that. And so you don't have to believe what we believe in in order for us to love you. Um, And so if you want to know who God is like, if you want to find Him, if you're looking, if you have questions... If you want to know about his character and his heart, all you have to do is look at Jesus. You see how he ministered to people. You know, our God is not a God of the just the intellect who's analyzing the world's problems and, you know, trying to figure out, coming up with a hypothesis, trying to figure out how he's going to fix the earth. No, no, our God reacts. He's a God of emotion. He's a God of intensity. And the best example that we have is Jesus Christ. He's got... A hundred sheep. He's a shepherd, right? Loses the one. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. I don't know, but in the business world, that's gutsy, right? Imagine if you have a hundred deals, but one is going down the drain, and you leave the 99 for the one. I don't know who you are, but that right there, that's a gutsy move. That shows you the heart of Christ. He's, a, he's the type of person that he says, he says, I must stop by Samaria. What would the God of the universe must do anything, right? Like if you're God, like you don't have to do anything. When he stops by Samaria, he meets this lady, Samaritan woman, who was looked down upon, by the way, especially in that culture. It was harsh, man. It was horrible. She had had five husbands. The guy that she was living with was not her husband. Like, like not a good thing. And Jesus says, and if you know his background, he's a Jew. Jews hated Samaritans. I must stop by Samaria. Zacchaeus, tax collector, thief, Steals money from the poor. Zacchaeus, today, I got to come to your home. That's who Jesus was. Simon the Zealot, religious guy, political fanatic. Do people that get into politics bother you? Religious people bother you? Raise your hand. That's okay. You can be honest. Some of you are going like, I don't know. I, I can't stand like overly religious people. Sorry. You know, that's... Lord is still working in my heart. <laughs> he goes after Simon the Zealot, religious and political fanatic, the man born blind, the leper. When you look at Christ, you should recognize that he's your anchor. And that should encourage you. Regardless of your baggage, 
He's coming after you. He loves you. You look at all the titles. He's a bread of life. He sustains you physically, not just spiritually. John 6, 35. He's the chief cornerstone, the foundation of our lives. He's your rock. Ephesians 2, 20. Not, the, not just the chief cornerstone. He's the chief shepherd. He's protector. He's sustainer. He's your guide. 1 Peter 5, 4. He's not just the chief shepherd. He's a good shepherd, provider, and caretaker. John chapter 10, verse 11. He's Emmanuel. We know that title from Christmas, right? God with us. He stands with us in all of life's circumstances. Not just the good, but the good, the bad, the ugly. Matthew 1, 23. He's the light of the world, brings hope in the midst of our darkness. John 9, 5. He's our mediator between God and men. When you come into the presence of God, He brings you redeemed and forgiven. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. He's our Savior, delivered us from sin and death because He conquered the grave. Luke chapter 1, verse 47. And today, you can add one more to your tool belt. He's our anchor, our big anchor our big anchor. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So 2021, bring it, because we have nothing to fear. If you're holding on to Him, there's nothing. There's nothing that come your way that you can't take with His help and with His hope. In 1940, true story, in a small village in Romania, a man by the name Dodi Feg, I don't know if that name sounds familiar, is about to get up on a train. So there was this train that would stop at this railroad station. Hundreds of people were born, and they were on a one-way trip. It was actually three days, but they'd never come back. To a Nazi concentration concentration camp. And this man, Dodi Feg, on this particular day, put on his best outfit. Everybody's making fun of him because they, they didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but they knew that those people, they never came back. And so many were making fun of him. Why, you know, you're not going to need that where you're going, you know? And this man, he said these words, puts on his this one out, he would only use this outfit like just a couple of times a year. It's just extraordinary occasions. And many of them thought, you know what, this could potentially be the end. So he says, this is it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear my best. And then pe- people are ridiculing him. And he says this word, these words, I'm quoting. You know, they're saying, you won't need that where you're going. But Feg replied back, on the contrary, because of the unprecedented horror that has overtaken us, when I see the Messiah, I want to see him wearing my best. That's the hope that we're talking about. That's the anchor that holds you regardless of what's happening in your world. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask you just a simple question. Where is your hope today? Where is your hope today? Sometimes I put my hope in my savings account. 
If I'm being honest with you, I look at the numbers. If the numbers are there, I feel good. Sometimes I put my hope in relationships. If things are working out, I'm happy. And I believe that just, I'm not the only one. In the same way, you can put your hope in your job, the stock market, a business deal that's about to go through that will benefit you tremendously, your health, you name it. Where is your hope today? I encourage you, anchor yourself to Christ. He is unmovable. At times, he may seem far away. I get it. I've been there. But I promise you, that anchor is only going to hold stronger. His strength is not diminished by your perception. And if you hold on to him, I guarantee you, it's a, it's a daily thing. But when you're holding on to him, I promise you, you will receive this strength this peace I don't it's hard to explain but you'll it's almost like a supernatural it is a supernatural power and the world may go in down the drain but your hope is secure in him and it just makes your life so much better and so would you just confess to him God I want to be there I want to be in that place would you just say that to him right now would you just in the middle of the craziness would you just say okay Lord I give up my will. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you because you're my big anchor. Tell him right now, you don't need me. I'm not your priest. You don't have to come through me. He died for you. He was born to die to redeem you so you can have direct connection with the Father. So you don't need a preacher. You don't need a, a priest. You need your heart and a loving God. And you have those two things. So would you just confess and tell him, Lord, I need you right now. Help me. Father, we come before you and we thank you for the struggles of the Hebrew people. We thank you that you wrote to them because you had us in mind. And we pray today, Father, that you would do a work in our hearts like never before. If we've lost hope with that relative that son or that daughter we've lost hope with our spouse if we've lost hope with our jobs if we're disillusioned and discouraged god we ask that you would fill us up today like never before we trust that you will do that we pray in jesus name amen let's all stand